Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I am doing stupendously. <laughs> well, friends, we are... Well, well, we'll we'll see how the day progresses. Uh, we are here to have our first or second official episode of the uh, the new year. And uh, we're going to be going back to answering you, our wonderful listeners' questions. If you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, you can also go ahead and send those into our Discord server. If you are a Patreon supporter, we have our patron QN podcast questions channel. We tend to look there first, and as a matter of fact, almost all of the questions today are from there. Uh, if you cannot support us on Patreon, don't want to send us an email, go ahead and hit us up on the QN podcast questions channel, which is for open for everybody. We will look there as well. All we ask is, however you send them into us, specify what show it's for. It makes it a lot easier for us to part out the episodes. Uh, without further ado, though, we're going to go ahead and get started with the first question from our good friend Titan Fuzz. I noticed that there are a fair amount of black dragonoids around, and it got me thinking. Did they also succumb to the madness of the black dragon flight, or did they just follow Neltharion's orders? Because that's what they that that that's what they're loyal to. Their flight. I would have imagined if they also went bananas, they would have all been killed, not welcome, and we wouldn't see them in the Ruby Life Shrine and maybe other areas. My other question, and maybe this is answered later in the expansion, is what were the other races of the Dragon Isles like the Tuscar and Centaurs doing while the Isles were cut off? I would imagine if they, the dragons are all gone over 10,000 years, they might move into the abandoned buildings, or were they just carrying on business as usual? So with the black dragonoids, uh, we'll start with that part of the question first. No idea. We can make the assumption that they didn't go crazy or didn't go to the madness. But the problem is we don't know the depth of the madness. We don't know how it affected everything. Here's a question. Uh, in in the Dragon Blight at Wormrest Temple, are there black dragonids guarding the Obsidian Sanctum? Yep, sure. And they're just standing there and they don't do anything to you and... They've, they're there the whole time. Yep. So yeah, maybe it's like that. You know, maybe they had some kind of weird detente when it came to the life pools. I mean, keep in mind that technically speaking, Deathwing didn't betray the dragon flights while they were on the dragon isles. Mm-hmm. He, ne- well, I mean, he did in that he was already plotting, but he didn't actually do the whole thing with the dragon soul slash demon soul until they were engaged in defending Azeroth from the Legion and it's leaving Azeroth, you know, leaving the dials to go defend the Legion is what they were doing. So it's theoretically possible that they left the dragon Isles. They left 
specific black draken that's behind who had no idea they were just as confused as everybody else when the uh, when the island got shunted away from the ley lines you know don't know there there's uh, a there's another possibility though too and i think this kind of goes to how we saw the interaction with ebonhorn when he left the protection of of high mountain uh is that nazoth had to exert or attempt to exert control had to try to sort of worm their way into the mind of uh, Ebonhorn and sort of take over. The corruption wasn't instantaneous. It didn't happen the second he moved out of High Mountain. Uh, it's almost as if Nazoth has to essentially try to get in and flip the switch. It's entirely possible that Nazoth looked at the Draconoids and didn't think they were important enough or didn't think they were necessary to try to do anything with. So all of those things that weren't full, full-born gigantic black dragons weren't on their radar. Just not something he cared about or didn't want to, didn't want to try to exert any control over. Cause in the grand scheme of things, what were they going to do? So, I mean, it's just something I was thinking about when, when looking at this is the corruption doesn't seem to just be instantaneous. And we do know that certain things can either remove the corruption or cause it to not essentially be affected by the corruption. We just talked about Sibelian a couple episodes ago and how Sibelian figured out how to, you know, quote unquote, remove the corruption. But what if it was just turn off the whispers? What if it was just figure out where the the sort of infection was coming from? And Matt pointed out a couple weeks ago uh, that it could also just be a proximity thing. They were on a whole other planet. They were in a whole other section of the universe, completely far away from Nizoth. It's well, entire- I, I was taking that, too, from stuff we saw in Chronicle. Uh, when Cho'Gal goes from Draenor to Azeroth, it's like he goes from a place where he can hear some noise distantly through a tin can to full blaring, you know, 24-7, you know, screaming rock concerts taking place outside his house. Like, the, the volume just goes way up because there's just actual... There's, like, four or five actual old gods stuck in this planet. Whereas there weren't any actual old gods on Tranor, the only void exposure he could get was the occasional, uh, you know, Naru who went void. Or an ethereal like, passing by yeah. that may have, may have been, you know, a little too close to the void. Chogal would never have even met an ethereal. The Chogal who came oh, over. Oh, yeah, to, fair. Yeah, at the time, the ethereals were not there. So it, it could be as simple as, you know, the, the, the Black Draconids who were in... Because we see Black Draconids with... Uh, Sibelian. So clearly those ones would have been with him. Mm-hmm. And that's one possibility. Another possibility is simply that black draconids are not susceptible because they're not dragons. They're part of the dragon flight, but they're not specifically dragons. And that's that's possibly one of the issues. We really have no idea. Why, are, why is anybody who didn't directly sign up for this affected? Yeah. You know, like it's one of those things where is it because Neltharion as leader of the dragon flight basically had them all come in one day and said, here's, let's have a conversation about our new Lord and master Nizoth. You know, I, I don't know. So there's a lot of possibilities. I don't have answers to at this time, but it is interesting to think about the possibility that it might be as simple as, you know, y- your point about they're loyal to the dragon flight and not, you know, therefore they just do what they're told. That's, that's a possibility. And you kind of get I mean, an idea of that at the Ruby Life Shrines, right? Because the, the Black Draconite that's there has mm-hmm. been waiting for basically to fulfill their job, right? They, yeah, or however long they've been there. We don't know how long Draconids live either. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, one, of the things, one of the things we do know is that when, from talking to NPCs as you go through Dragonflight, the dra- various Draconids have been sitting there essentially waiting for this to happen for 10,000 years. Um they weren't in stasis. They were living. So like any dragon place that's currently not like a ruin somewhere, they were there. Like they were in Valdraken the whole time. Um, it's p- quite possible that generations have gone by for them. Um, like for instance, Ca- Commander Aranog, the reason that Aranog becomes, I feel like I can just tell you guys this, he's a raid boss. Um, just the reason he becomes a raid boss is that he's mad that his people essentially waited for eons for the dragons to return. And now the dragons are back and they get the, the Draconids to basically just get assumed. Well, thank you for taking care of things. We're back. We're in charge now. And that makes a lot of them upset. 
they don't all want this. Some of them want, you know, like, you know, Hey, we were, we were doing fine without you guys. Um, th- that's also something interesting when you see the centaur, cause that's, I want to answer the first part of the question a little bit. The centaur have been just being the centaur for 10,000 years. Like they, they were not like sitting around going, Oh, where are the dragons? They're like, whatever. Uh, the dragons took off. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. They've same, been doing it for generations. Same with the Tuscar. I'm not entirely sure about the Tuscar only cause I don't like, obviously the, the blue dragons know about them. Yeah. But the, the Tuscar don't seem to know about them. Isn't well, that weird? Not, like, re- not the, the really. way that they react. Like th- there's a specific thing when, when, uh, what's his name? Bloody heck. Caligos. When Caligos turns to a blue dragon, they all seem taken aback. Like, Oh wow. A blue dragon. I thought that was interesting, but I guess it would be generational, right? Well, not only Tuscar don't live thousands of years, so it's very unlikely that any specific Tuscar would have met a dragon. Met, yes, but they they definitely have a, and it's a thematic thing inside of the expansion where they have stories and they do have that oral tradition and they do pass that down. Like, there's literally one of the ongoing reputation mechanics is you find stories to bring back to the Tuscar so that they can continue to tell the stories to their young and for generations to come. But it also, I think has to do with how the geography is of the land, because the, if you go into the Azure span and look at where the blue dragons are, they're sort of elevated and segregated from the rest of the Azure span. It's, very difficult if you do not fly to get to those places or it requires you to go through knoll country and the tuscar and the knoll aren't exactly best of friends as a matter of fact the knoll have a penchant for eating tuscar like that so they would probably avoid those areas so they probably would know the stories of dragons maybe see them in the distance every now and then but also the tuscar generally don't care like all of the tuscar we've ever met unless they were being bothered just kind of had a live and let live philosophy. They just sort of went about their daily business, went about uh, what they could do throughout, you know, with their people moving, migrating, uh, making sure the watering holes and fishing holes were, were intact. Um, And we do know that they did spread during that 10,000 years. They did wander into areas that were previously dragon dominated because all of the fishing holes and fishing spots that they've set up camps throughout the entirety of, of the, the dragon, the dragon isles, it, they've kind of just moved on with their life and just kind of keep doing what they're doing. But unless it, in the case of Lake Caligos, unless a blue dragon came down and said, Hey, we're dragons. What do you need from us? They'd just be like, yeah, we're going to go keep making soup. Maybe we're going to go and uh, do some fishing. You want to go, you want to go fishing? You want some tea? You want some soup? Like they just are chill and laid back. They just don't care. But to your point about the centaurs, they just kind of do their own thing. Like they knew of oh, yeah. the dragons, like they had a, a treaty and a pact with the the Emerald Dragons, but it seemed like mostly a we'll kind of go and do our own thing, and you leave us alone, and everything's good. Yeah, I I also think it's interesting to point out that like it's not like of the Centaur and the Torrens, it's not like they would care about dragon ruins. The Centaur want to live on the plains. That's that's their thing. They're nomadic plains dwellers. Um, they're horse people. It's not like they want to go walking around inside buildings all the time. Um, and the, the Tuscar are pretty comfortable where it's cold. Like they don't generally move out of places where it's cold. I mean, the Azure Span's got a nice cold edge around the South, which is interesting that the, the Northern area doesn't because it is volcanic. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the waking shores are basically a series of volcanoes erupting all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, which provides, you know, even the parts that aren't volcanic, like if you look at the swampy areas to the south of it, that's clearly geothermal vents going on all over the place, uh, which brings you the warmth and the life part of it. That's why both the reds and the blacks dwelled there. Um, the Forbidden the forbidden Reach, I haven't really seen enough to comment on, but you definitely get a sense that the Tuscar are like, we're perfectly happy with this cold place. I mean, there are some Tuscar in the Forbidden Reach because I remember saving one. Yes. Uh, but you get the sense that they just they just got there. Um, or, for that matter, they got there within the 10,000 years that the you know Drakthir were locked up. No, I'm sorry. The Drakthir were locked up for 20,000 years. That's right. The Drakthir were locked up a long time before all this. So, yeah. Um, I, but I do think it's definitely not, it's not terribly surprising that the Tuscar nor the, the Centaur were particularly interested in, you know, going to take over dragon buildings. It's like, yeah, what do we need that for? I mean, we'd like to run on the plains and the Tuscar would yeah. be like, can I fish there? I mean, I guess I could fish 
I could drop a really long line, but I mean, spearfishing, spearfishing is mostly what we do. And I don't think I can get a spear down there from here, uh, but I could try, I guess, if you want. Uh, no, no, I don't. Okay. Well, well, we could research powerful sorceries. D do we, do we do that? I mean, I mean, the way they look at magic, they're like, oh, you mean like the glow caves? <laughs> they don't, it's not that they don't understand that it's magical or powerful. It's that they don't care. They have a way of life that, that suits them, that they're perfectly happy with it. If the gnolls would stop trying to eat them, they'd be perfectly, ha you know, they'd be much nicer to the gnolls than they currently are. Um, they are okay with like the, the occasional gnoll kid who gets raised by them. They're like, yeah, all right. We can't like, we can't very well let him go hungry. Uh, you know, he's probably going to go back to the gnolls in a few years and then try and kill us again. But until then, yeah, he seems nice enough. Fine. Um, so yeah, I, that's my take on it. Yeah. And, and I think that's sort of a big takeaway from the dragon isles in general. Like as you go through and just kind of like explore the quote unquote settled regions, anywhere that was predominantly and only maintained by dragons, not dragon kind, like the dragonoids and, and, and other ones, but specifically dragons are in disarray. Things that were the Draconoids have moved like Vildokin and, and, and a few the other life pools have been the, kept going this whole time because the Draconoids have been there, right? The Draconoids, yeah, exactly. have, the dragons have been yeah. there tending it like the, I'm basically the, saying, yes, Joe is correct. Here's an example. Uh, same thing with uh Neltharian's crucible. There's been a handful there that have been trying to maintain it as much as they could. And it got invaded by the, uh, Jardin. Jardin. Yeah. I mean, I cannot remember to pronounce that just sound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those guys, that's a recent invasion. You see there's Draconids there trying to patch the place back up. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it feels a lot like if you go look at Valdraken, that whole area has been maintained by by the Draconids this whole time. And there's even intrigues about it. So yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's just a matter of life went on without the Dragons is what it really boils down to, to varying degrees. So, um, And but I mean, keep in mind too, we haven't even mentioned Tearhold here, which was going. Uh, yeah. The, the thing about Tearhold was that it shut down. Like, we know that it was shut down because we see in the opening cinematic what happens when one of the wa the watchers wakes up and goes and re he reignites the signal flare. You can see that thing going. When you go to Tearhold now, you can see the beam shooting up uh, saying, hey, dragons, over here. So, you know, clearly some places just shut straight down. Yeah. And we're probably going to, and we're probably going to find out more about a lot of the specifics on the question as the expansion rolls on, like the, the whole black dragon flight corruption and, and things like that. We're definitely, yeah, well, oh, I seriously want to know some stuff about what sibelian has been doing. I, exactly. And I want to know what, like what the true nature of the corruption was and how it spread spread because, and what love is, you know, I'd like, I'd like you to show me. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, but like, like quests like Vera straws, like I bring it up a lot, but it's a good quest because it really tries to put in perspective, like what was the nature of the corruption? Here's this person who was as close as clutch mates who murdered his family. And like, how does one reconcile that? Uh, but I think we're going to move on because we have another question from Titan fuzz that I'm going to throw in here, uh, just to kind of ride the Titan fuzz train a little bit. Uh, and this also goes back to, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> It goes back to the genealogy that of Azeroth. Sorry. <laughs> uh, do we know what races can have children with each other? I think we've only seen elves and humans. I think they've just confirmed goblins can have children with night elves. Uh, in the temporal conflicts, when you're freeing the wardens, the goblin warden, Krizik, says, whoa, I saw my future. My grandson marries a night elf, and to be honest, their kids had incredible ears. Another of the keeper lines had caught my attention was Wanshi's Skystrider, who says, yeah, I've seen yet another future where the Bloodhoof chieftain is captured. Is this more than a throwaway line and a sneaky hint, uh, Bane's in trouble in the future? So the, the whole which races can can have children together we have no idea also the wardens um, i'm still unclear of which one of those are dragons and which ones aren't yeah that's that's fair um i will say this uh, if the dragon the dragon isles tends to suggest that dragons can get it on with almost anything well because of the visage right oh no because every single freaking animal seems to be part dragon or dragon is that, toads or, or dragon is that just sheep dragon wait a deer, minute dragon or, dogs 
Or is that just due to proximity to being to the, the two-year-old and the that version of the Well of Eternity? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what's going on. I just know that everybody seems a little bit dragony, and as my wife has pointed out, it leads to certain speculations. It doesn't say outright what it is, so yeah. Your your guess is as good as mine, however. I mean, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the route that everything in the area being dragony is just because of proximity to the halls of infusion. Yeah, but the thing is is that Proto Drakes are dragony before they get exposed to any order magics. Order magics don't make you reptilian. No, but that specific engine does. Does it? Or is it the fact that it takes dragon things and makes them the best dragon thing that it thinks they can be? We don't know that it actually makes anything reptilian. There's never been any any sign of any Titan facility or you know well of eternity based thing doing anything like that even like when we see the waters of of the, of the well of eternity around this is actually an interesting thing to think about we've got the uh the the temple of the loon which is clearly a titan facility mm-hmm. that was right on the edge of the well of eternity the original that, one that had that pictures of night elves in it right and the night elves were clearly affected by the well of eternity in the first place to turn into those things does that mean that it it you know, did it predict them? Was it designed to make them that way? That's not a question we have an answer to. But we've also seen the the, the waters of similar things, like the ones in, in Pandaria, created the Jinyu, who the Ankoan are an offshoot of. Both of them seem to be similarly influenced by the well, to the point where they've got a night elf rig. Like when they move in the game, they've, they're using a night elf skeleton. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's game. That's a game mechanic thing, but it also suggests something. It also suggests this. When you go to Aldu, not to Alduar, sorry. When you go to Ankaraj, to, uh, Ankaraj was originally a Titan facility. Uh, before it was involved in imprisoning an old god, it was a Titan facility designed for a different purpose. And eventually the old god got loose, you know, Cthune. But that, that leads to the question. We, the, the reason Cthune got loose was because Karaji invaded it. They were driven there by trolls during the the Akir War when they were the Akir. Um, why are the Twin Emperors basically big night elf looking dudes? Yeah, we've been asking that when, question for years. Now it's a Titan facility, right? Mm-hmm. What what was it doing? We know that Old Deer was researching Old God corruption. Where uh, it's pretty obvious that if Old Deer was researching Old God corruption, there wasn't an Old God in Old Deer. No. But they had old gods at all the other at all these other facilities. Were they taking samples? I think well. And now like, like this goes back to I realize we have diverged wildly from the original <laughs> question. I, I get you on that. But this goes back to looking at what we know Tyr was doing. And what I was we just know, gonna bring that up, yeah. Yeah, Tyr was attempting to create like like a way to make like perfect defenders of Azeroth. He's trying to perfect them. And that he process we know got, got corrupted. By an old god. Which he noticed. Yes. Did he... He obviously would have tried to correct it, right? I mean, after One we would see, imagine. After we see what happened to Galakrond, he would have been, oh, okay, I gotta fix this. He wouldn't have just used the exact same process on the, the five of them that he, he used on Galakrond. So how did he perfect it? What did he do? And what does it have to do? If you look at the map, the world map of Azeroth, obviously those the stuff isn't to scale. Like when you see uh, when you're going from zone to zone, when you're like, oh, I'm going to go back to Legion, or oh, I'm going to head over to to you know, uh, Battle for Azeroth zones. Those zones are not that close. None of these continents are exactly that size and exactly that close to each other. But it does say something that the Dragon Isles are not, you know, horribly distant from either Northrend or the Broken Isles mm-hmm. or the, the, uh, the Northern parts of the Eastern kingdoms. And we know that at least one Titan facility was in, you know, in Zandalar in those, those massive Titan ruins that have become basically the Zandalari capital and Aldir. Those, those were in relative proximity to Tierhold. Mm-hmm. So you, you're kind of, I get the sense we were both thinking this, so I'm going to let you talk because I'm pretty sure you're mm-hmm. in the same place I am. No, go for but, it. No, I mean, I just want to like make that point. Like, Tyr would have been getting his samples from somewhere. He would have had to. They, 
they're it's pretty clear at this point that they were taking samples from the old gods and then they would like dump them in old deer for mother to run experiments on in uh tier and mother are basically peers they would be yes yeah and we've seen that tier was was doing peer study like he was he was sending loken you know here's what i've got and that was before anybody knew loken was was evil but that doesn't mean tier wasn't suspicious of the guy a, a lot know? of it, and this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time. We've we've made a lot of assumptions over the years that things just kind of naturally happen, that just being exposed to the Titan blood causes a transformation. And while part of that might be true, I think there's another element to it that we've been, I don't want to say missing, but maybe well, it not, wasn't. It wasn't on the table. Until it wasn't. Now. I. But here's the thing. I'm thinking there were signs that it was, and I'm. I think we we just missed it. I think that each of the Titan facilities or the Titan research in general was attempting to convert that order magic, that process, that same thing that Tyr was doing with the Halls of Infusion to elevate the dragon flights into like almost like a programmed or systemic evolution. We know that the curse of flesh seems to be not actually a curse, but a natural thing coded into the creatures of Azeroth that were created as constructs to sort of evolve and take over in place of, right? Yeah, we, we get that from the, uh, the, the, oh, bloody hell, the ones in, in, uh, Uldemon. But there's, the, 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 I can't remember the name of the, the Nosdormo things. What the hell are they called? The discs of Norganon? Discs of Norganon, thank you. You're welcome. Oh my God, but, my but, brain was not doing this. But the point of that is, what if that evolution was always meant to be guided and that, that sort of, slow unlocking of sort of that gift of flesh, not the curse, but this, this, this becoming smaller, fleshier inhabitants of the planet to have lives, to in, have be, generate anima, to generate more spirit in life than what is already present on this planet. Okay. But what if that was meant to guide in certain directions, to have certain structures of creatures and classifications that are good at different things? Well, and think about this too, that that would actually kind of key into some of the stuff we're finding out about what Odin told people to believe. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, well, if Odin, Odin was like, well, I don't, we don't want people to know about the first ones. We don't want people to know, like to, to think that the Titans aren't the ones who are responsible because I mean, after all the Titans are the ones who are bringing us order and that you can't say something has been created until it's been ordered. Can you? And very clearly and the Titans and the Titan watchers knew about the first ones, knew about Xerath Mortis mm-hmm. and what was going on there. They knew that that existed. I mean, Odin certainly did because if nothing else, he traded his eye to the jailer. I mean, he didn't necessarily know he was giving it to the jailer, but he certainly knew he had done it. Um, that kind of leads you to some interesting questions right there. Um, what Odin did instead of making dragons, like he, his response was, I don't trust this thing Tyr wants to do. Was that ego on his part? Or was uh, it or he was, didn't, he didn't trust the gift of flesh. Yeah. Maybe he didn't like, he didn't think that the whole ordering process should go that way. Maybe he, you know, why should we be fleshy? Well, beings? Well, Is it going to happen to us? Think about it. Too? Think about it. Cause what does he do? He plucks the soul. He plucks the anima and shoves it into mm-hmm. a shell. If he knew about that process and he goes, that's a whole lot of power that is leaving this plane of existence. I can harness that power and stick it back into another shell. And that power Which doesn't leave the planet. We've seen, we've seen that happen with other Titan constructs. Uh-huh. The, the Mogu. That's what they're all about. To the point where they literally lost their gender. Like they were developing gender and then they decided, nah, we don't need that because we don't need to be biological. That's an interesting thing to think about too. In terms of what we're all talking about. Uh, the Tolvir. Well, I mean, you were talking about this, like saying that I think he was always meant to be guided. It That's that's a statement that's actually in Chronicle that mm-hmm. that was meant to be guided. But what's interesting is we never knew what form it was meant to take. And, and we I still th- don't. We still don't actually know, but we can start but, making some inferences a little bit. I think. Yeah, and i I do think that I do think that the Dragon Isle stuff. I'll I'll be upfront with you. I don't think that the dragony aspects of the Dragon Isles are because of the Titans specifically. I think that they are because of the dragons, um, one way or another. Uh, I think that that's. But it's interesting. I've said it before, and I'll, and I'll say it again. Why is the Forbidden Reach the Forbidden Reach, and why was Neltharion making Drakthir up there? Mm-hmm. Like. It's the other dragonflights seem aware of the Drakthir. They're not surprised by them, 
but they weren't involved directly. And like, why but we did, also, you know, but we also know yeah. that, that Notharian was involved in the creation of the Draconoids too, to a certain extent. Yeah. Oh yeah, because absolutely. But we've known that we since also, Black, Blackwing Lair. Yeah, and we also know that he's been involved, like since he went, he's quote unquote, went bad. He's been involved in trying to create new dragon flights repeatedly. He wanted to make this chromatic dragon flight, which was all five dragon flights in one. Then he wanted to make this twilight dragon flight, which was kind of like the rejection of all colors, like all flights. It was, or I don't know if rejection is the right word, subsumption, like make the negative version. Like the chromatic version would have been like the, like all five in one. The, the twilight one is literally like no color, mm-hmm. like just this like complete absence of it this like but not like white not like albinid but like also not weird, not muted shadow parody of it but also not void yeah not void and that's also interesting to think about the other dragonflight that we know of that is out of nowhere we don't know where they come from exactly the infinite dragonflight and the chromatic dragonflight don't seem to be different in terms of their context mm-hmm. but all of this is to say Neltharion found something up there, including a Titan artifact that we see him lose in one of the cinematics for Dragonflight. Where did he get that? What was it? What was its name? You've pointed out that it might have had actually Tyr's hand. The one he lost, yeah. Yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, we also know that Raden had a thing called the Fist of Raden. Mm -hmm. It wasn't literally his hand. He wasn't actually his fist, but it's an artifact that we wielded. Well, at yep. least some shaman did. And it was enormously powerful. It helped him create the the elemental version planes. of the elemental planes that were essentially prisons. Oh, and this ties back to something. Oh, my God. Yeah. I wanted to actually talk about this, this week at the start of the show, but then I forgot about it. But I was having this theory last night. Why? You know, it, it is a really interesting idea about why the elementals might not even need the old. This might not have anything to do with the old gods. The, the elemental uprising, uh, or at least not specifically. And I was thinking about it in terms of if you're the elemental lords or the various elementals before the coming of the old gods, what was Azeroth like? Like, what was it doing? They were basically engaged in, in full on contact, contact sports. They were fighting constantly, like fighting over every scrap of quote unquote spirit, which we now know is anima. They were fighting over it. There, w- there wasn't enough to go around because it was all going into Azeroth, right? Mm hmm. So what happens when the old gods get here? The old gods basically enslave them and force them to do their bidding, right? Yep. What happens when the Titans get here? They don't free the elementals. I mean, yes, it's, a, it's to be expected that the Titans would have to beat the, the elementals down because the elementals were slaves to the old gods and couldn't, couldn't stop themselves from doing what they were told to do. But afterwards, they didn't free the elementals. They didn't return Azeroth to the elementals. They didn't, they didn't say, well, you know, this was your world first. Here you go. They are like, okay, uh, that whole thing where the, the old gods made slaves out of you, that seems useful. Because look at what the Titan Forged are. Mm-hmm. They are elemental beings. Y- yes. I, I, yes I'm and gonna... no. I know you the, the no part's there too, but they are made of the elements of Azeroth. Yes. They are made of, of those materials, but they're made by the Titans and infused with the Titans power. And the first thing one of them does is build prisons and locks the elementals in them. Now they don't lock them all away, right? Cause Azeroth's got elementals, but it, they get rid of the leaders and they lock, they, you know, they, they tie the elementals to these places, keeping them from, you know, just returning Azeroth to whatever state it was in before the old God showed up. Right. Yep. And that's what's been going on ever since they've effectively been enslaved twice. So if you think about what the, the Titan plan is and what these wells, you know, halls of infusion, all these Titan facilities and these Titan fonts, the Titans are clearly trying to figure out like a way to stabilize Azeroth. Oh yeah, and they've they've said as much, and that that part at least has stayed true, right? Mm-hmm. That's what, been that's been since day one of of Titans. What does that mean? Stay, like, if here's the thing, we we know the Titans exist because they are like their their world souls go into these planets and become Titans. But are the things that become Titans could they become something else? Yeah, so I like, think and, I think that's part and, of it. Yeah, and moreover, if they could, like. Is is part of the problem here? Like, 
I keep going back to the fact that the Eternal Ones are constructs. They are. And so are the Titans. Yes, they are. And this makes me wonder if... Well, and technically, technically, so are the old gods, and so are the creations of the old gods. They are also constructs. Yeah, because the Void made them. Well, no, because... Well, yes, but the Void made them by co-opting the sa- almost the same process that was used by the Titans and the Titan Forge to create... The, almost in that sim- same way, the Maybe. creatures that the creature. Well, we we know about this. We know that the Black Empire, like the pieces of the old gods that became the the Alakir and things like that, uh, or or sorry, the the Akir, um, and the Naraki and the Nerubians. And, and although it's everything. interesting to note, we have Alakir and then yeah, the yeah, Akir. Yeah, yeah. That is something that we might want to talk about someday. But I mean, I th- I think it's fascinating that, or even the creation of Zalatath, where it's a piece of an old god. But these are all. What is the old god's flesh? We're told that the, it's stretched for miles and miles and miles. We see it in the Black Empire flashbacks, but it's a conversion of the matter of Azeroth into the flesh of the old god. They were just a well, spike that was flung to the planet. See, that's interesting because it, it suggests that they weren't so much constructs as they were viruses. But to get back to where we were originally going with all this and to, to try and tie it into what I'm saying... My God, I can't believe I went that long and we didn't even remotely do that. Uh, <laughs> if you look at the, the way that the Titans proceed and the Titans are, are working on this whole thing and this whole idea of the Titans are really into order and the thing isn't created until it's ordered, that implies that every Titan, all of them going all the way back, possibly to Amandul himself, could have been or should have been something else. And that's another question of who ordered Amandul. Yeah. Did Amonthul just wake up and decide, oh, everybody should be like me? And so he wandered around the cosmos, and every time he found somebody who could be like yeah. him, he made them like him? The interesting thing, though, or, too... Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the interesting things about that that whole thing for me, too, is like the ordering of Azeroth and the redirecting of the, the spirit back into Azeroth to heal itself, I don't know if that is true anymore. And, and I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, because the thought had occurred to me that... But that might just be what we thought was going on. Versus them trying to keep it nascent. Well, for that matter, maybe they were trying to... Everything they said was true from their point of view, to, to use an Obi-Wanism. Sure. They were trying to heal the planet and, and make sure that it took its proper evolution as they saw it. Because they always did this. Maybe they they always wanted these world souls to become like them and be, rise as titans. And when Sargeras killed that that one that was infected, you know, he killed it because it was infected with Void. And I, we're all we we back then we were all just accepted the idea that Void was evil and a Void Titan would be an incredibly bad thing. And so far, I've, I've seen absolutely nothing to make me think differently. Even even with all the nuance that's been added in, the void beings don't really seem to care. However, they, they but but to get back to it, it's entirely possible that he might have done that to a world soul that was changing, was just developed into something that wasn't a titan. Mm-hmm. And we've already like gotten kind of gotten into that idea. Why would Azeroth be the final titan? Unless the reason Azeroth is the final Titan is because Azeroth will end the process of Titanic Ascension in the first place. Whatever Azeroth becomes will not be a Titan. And therefore, that's the end of Titans. And that and that I think is the end goal, right? Like I think that was always the end goal. And and there's a lot of stuff that seems to point to that, especially with what we just went through with Zareth Mortis. And the other thing that's always been sort of since Legion, I've been thinking about this. And I've been thinking about this ever since a giant sword was thrust into Azeroth. I I can't help but think that some of the decisions the uh, the Titans were making were pre-programmed decisions. And they well, that's uh, yeah, that's where I was going. So let me hear what you're going to say, and then I'll jump in. What if they didn't want Azeroth to ever fully wake up, but they didn't realize that's what that the, what they were doing? Where. Azeroth seems to be this constant funnel of highly potent anima into the machine of the universe. And that is, I'm trying to think of it because I think the first ones wanted Azeroth to become something else, but I think the Titan programming went awry. It's too ordered. 
And we go back to like looking at the creatures that exist on Azeroth, the creatures that are born of Azeroth. And you're talking about like void, not being, you know, not seeing anything that means void isn't like purely evil. No, no, no. I didn't say evil. Well, or bad. No, destructive. Destructive. But the, uh, the there, I'll get back the, to why I'll get back to why I think that's important, but go ahead. But I was gonna say, but we represent like a merger of the two. We have the ability to see multiple options and then make a choice. Whereas and you brought this up last uh, last week or the week before we were talking about Nazoth uh and what just happened with us going doing the whole uh back in time thing. I got anything to say to you here and then I'm gonna let you go for some more. Go ahead. Arise, Nephilim. Yep. Go for Ex- it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So this whole idea of, of we can, we have that sort of ultimate power. Titans don't, that's not how they're constructed. How could you succeed against cosmically calculated odds? But Azeroth could. Or Azerothians can. And if we represent the ability of that perfect order and that perfect chaos being able to come together into one final form, What's to say that that's not the intention for Azeroth? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna say I don't think that the Titans are subconsciously keeping Azeroth asleep. I think they are consciously keeping Azeroth asleep. Okay. Because here's my thing. The Titan perspective is one that they know what's best. They know what the proper ordering of things should be. They are very much along that same axis as Light, where Light believes there's one true path. The Titans told Nosdormu there's one true timeline. That this this fate was inextricable. You can't escape this. This will happen to you. To, to, they wanted him to live with that knowledge. Why? Because they wanted to close him. We've let from the beginning. We've assumed that Murozond is a threat, a villain that he must be stopped. But I've talked about this before. I don't think the coming of Murozond is necessarily a, a calamity or a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes back to this very simple fact. I don't think the Curse of Flesh was the Titan's idea in the first place. I certainly don't think it was the Titan Forge's idea. I do, however, think it was the first one's idea. Yes. And I think that the ordering of Azeroth, at least initially, and the reason that Odin didn't want it taught that way was because he didn't want to highlight the direction that the first ones had in mind for their creation. Because the first one's creation is clearly a ridiculously sophisticated, but it's also fractal. Mm-hmm. Every level that you encounter it, from Zareth Mortis on down, every level where you encounter it seems to be basically a a different variation upon the same essential structure. It's like a Mandelbrot set. Now, if you go in and think about the fact that Void is a force in that cosmic, you know, orrery. If you look at the various things, there's clearly something that is not Void that is more destructive than void mm-hmm. in much the same way that there's something that is not fell that is both fell and void are forces of chaos and destruction, but they're different. They're not the same as say the hungerers, the yes, devourers exactly. that come the hungerers through. Just eat everything. They, they don't consume. care. They might even consume void. They probably do. And if you think about it, this is what leads back to that. You know, like I said, like I said, arise Nephilim. I, I wasn't being sarcastic. No, I wasn't, you know, I think that there is in Azeroth is a union of all these opposites. And in a way, the Legion had to come there in order for the first one's plan to be fulfilled. The, the fell had to be introduced. We already had light. We already had void. We already had order. We, we already had death. Uh, You know, we just needed life and we have life. So what was missing fell. Because there's two different kinds. Essentially, in this construction, there's different kinds of chaos. Mm-hmm. Voids are the the void lords and their their creations are certain. They believe in everything being possible, but the fell is all about how all possibilities end. Like in a way, the fell is like the warning to the system of the thing from outside the system that is coming. Fell is like, look at this. When Sargeras looked upon the void and realized that everything he'd done in his existence had been flawed, he was misunderstanding in much the same way that every Titan misunderstands because they don't, 
he comes the closest, but he's, he doesn't try and do it right. He tries to just wipe everything back to clean slate. How many times have Titans done that? That's even built into Azeroth. We have the halls of reorigination. Their entire purpose is to wipe everything yeah, down to a clean slate. We don't know how many times the universe was reset. And if you think about it, it seems like that's because the Titans don't have access to the void. Mm-hmm. And in his panic, Sargeras may have destroyed the thing that the Titans need well, most. Well, hold on a second, but that that's the interesting thing. That's yeah, the, and that's, that's what Azeroth has. Because on Azeroth, and you're going back to what we were talking about earlier, let's go back to Uldir. Let's go back to the research Mother was doing. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to what they were using for the the crux of, of their research. Creatures born from void. And look at what Vectus is. I mean, we talk about Gahoon, Gahoon was the one, the 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 nascent old god. But look at what Vectus is, or Nihilus. Yeah, but Vectus, I want to to really focus on because Vectus is like the essence of what it is to be an old god. Vectus is a means that it propagates. Vectus is the way it spreads. It uses other beings to encode and spread itself. It's 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 a virus, and the old gods are like viruses. They they latch on to a world and do the same thing. But to to go back to something that's actually viruses are inherently destructive in many ways to to like living beings, right? Like we've, we've seen the pandemic, we've all had the experience with viruses, but there are viruses in your DNA right now, eons old. They go back to the dawn of life. There are DNA codes that only exist in you because some virus infected some distant ancestor of yours and your ancestor grabbed onto and incorporated those viruses. And your mitochondria did the same thing before you then grabbed on and incorporated them into your cells. They were unicellular organisms that you basically took into yourself. And they also took in viruses that make themselves. So by infecting Azeroth, the old gods, possibly inadvertently or possibly as part of the first one's plan, have created a world where order and chaos can exist at once and be understood Neither perspective is alien to us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the interesting thing about the first one's plan. If plan is the right word for it. Like this is an experiment to them, right? Well, maybe we, that's the thing. We don't know how many times the experiment's been reset. Yeah. And they, but we know that at least with the Titan aspect of it, reorigination is always a thing. They've always, they're always really willing to call blank slate. And look at, look at Xerath Mortis. Look at, look at the fact that there was a prototype Pantheon. There's prototype shells. There's Mm -hmm. prototypes strewn about the Shadowlands. There's a reason for that. They've been at this for a while. Why did the Arbiter essence freak out when an, when a Titan essence entered it? When Argus's, soul entered the the arbiter's you know i i've heard, why did it why did it freak out i've, I've heard some some theories and i i, I think i kind of like it where the one thing that the arbiter mantle had or didn't have that all the other mantles did was essentially because it was ripped out right it was ripped out from mm-hmm. the jailer it didn't mm-hmm. have reason it didn't have the ability to weigh or judge or comprehend it just did and something like that, which is unfathomable, fun, unfathomable. Well, here, here. Why is it unfathomable? And well, and here's the thing: is it specifically a Titan uh, soul that is unfathomable, or is it specifically Argus, or is it specifically just a world soul? Because we keep getting told that the world souls are placed into the universe. No one actually ever said that the world souls are are parts of the plane of order. Or that they come from outside our universe. I can't find any place that says that the the world souls of planets are outside our universe. They they are they're powerful arcane essences that are encased in planets, but no one tells me why mm-hmm. or where they come from. It's quite possible that they don't come from anywhere. That, that they just appear. Yeah. And or it, or more accurately, they appear as part of the cosmos that Azeroth is in, as part or, of that universe's plan and design. Or there's an engine in the universe that creates them, very much in some similar fashion to what we saw in Xerath Mortis, that we have not found yet. Or we have found it. Maybe we did. You know, we might be on it. Because uh, that's the other thing we don't know 
how old Azeroth is in the scheme of things. We know that the world soul within it is enormously powerful. Like to the point where when the Pantheon found it, they were like, oh, wow, this blew their minds. And it has yeah. it has seen a portal and a gateway directly to Zareth Mortis. At least Zareth Mortis. And we now know the Zareth Ortis. Mm-hmm. There's most likely a portal there somewhere. In fact, that might be what, when Azeroth went through what it went through, perhaps the, the ability to connect with those, those various Zareths was lost for some reason. And you'll notice that the first thing the Jailer does is build himself one. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what the Titans are doing. Maybe that's going on in Alduar right now. Like, like when Odin goes back, the first thing he does is, is get the band together and tell him we're going to build one of these things. We need to get to Zareth Ortis because this, the things are out of control. We don't know. But, but it's interesting to speculate on the fact that we've seen that the first ones work, were, were working in a direction that even the jailer, good old Zoval, was like, no, they're, 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 this thing they're doing is folly. Why did he feel that way so strongly? Why is it so similar to what Sargeras does when he's confronted with the Void? Why do, why do these construct beings seem to just freak out when the concept of there being like multiple options? They don't, they don't like it. Why? What hap- why did it freak out the Arbiter when, Zov- when uh, Argus's soul showed up? And you, your question is a very good one. Was it because it was Argus? Or was it because it was a world soul or because it was a Titan soul? What was it that freaked out the Arbiter? Which See, doesn't, you know, your, your idea about it not being able to, to weigh things. I think that's a really interesting one to look at. Well, also, and like, the other reason I'm thinking about that though, too, is because of the difference between Argus and the rest of the souls in, as we're looking at in 10,000 years of war, as we're looking at what they talk about prior to even Legion happening, where we come into it, Argus is, a soul being used for a world soul being used for something other than what a Titan was intended to be used for, at least from what we can tell it Mm -hmm. is being used as the crux of the engine where demon souls are essentially filtered through it and forced back into, uh, you know, through Antorus, through everything that is, was built there back into reality. Yeah. We don't, you know, kind of like if some guy named Odin, Yep. Was grabbing souls yep. that were supposed to go somewhere and jamming them back in the bodies. Yeah, but, very similar. But also, like, we don't know how that changed what that soul was or how that was in comparison to the other ones because we know that Titans can shift. Sargeras is proof of that. Sargeras yeah, and, is- oh, but, but, like, think about this too. Odin didn't get that ability until he made the deal. Yep. He got that ability essentially from Zoval. Yep. Why did Zoval know that? Where did he learn that? It's not part of his role as the Arbiter. Or is it? Well, it didn't seem to be, did it? And that's a good question, too. It, your question, or is it? But then that that brings you to this next question. Is that why it freaked out when it saw Argus? Because Argus is supposed to... like Argus is supposed to be not doing this. Mm-hmm. And yet the signs of it are all over him. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah, there's, there's, this all goes back to, I, I know we've been going on and on in circles for a bit, but this all goes back to the fact that we don't understand exactly what Tyr was doing or the fact that Tyr, I'm, I'm just going to, this is a spoiler, but I'm going to bring it in. If, if you haven't gotten your rep up to 12 with the Valdraken yet, mild spoilers for the quests that then come out. The quests are already in the game. You can do them as soon as you hit Renown 12. As you go through those quests, as you 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 find this message from Tyr essentially, and engage in it and and pursue it, you end up creating a new body for Tyr. Mm-hmm. But you don't have Tyr to put back in the body yet because that was the the disc that was shunted into time and space. Which means that Tyr knew how to put his soul in a disc. He made a backup copy of himself. Do you ever remember that old episode of Transformers where Optimus Prime's mind is on an eight by twelve floppy? Yep, it's, <laughs> it's the first like thing that. I thought of. Yeah, <laughs> that is the first. But keep in mind that his mind was on the floppy, but his soul was in the Matrix of Leadership. Mm-hmm. So that means that Tyr's soul is going to like when his body is found, like his mind is found, you can put it back on the body. But that means his soul is probably already back. And Joe was talking about this, about Tearhold's role in this, but I don't I don't necessarily think it's Tearhold that does it. I think it's all of them. And the fact that Alduar has been kept out of the loop and the fact that we've only now found Aldorus, Tearhold is Aldorus. Mm-hmm. 
is really, really interesting to me in terms of how far away from the first one's plan have the Titans, Titan forged or Titans gotten? Because keep in mind too, the other problem is that the Titans themselves can't give advice anymore. Like everything going on here might be the fact that Odin does not understand and the Titans can't tell him he's Yeah, because don't forget they're locked away in the Pantheon. They're the seat of the Pantheon. They're locked away there eternally as eternal jailers with, yeah. with Illidan. Yeah. And before that, they were like unable to con they were unable to communicate clearly with them because their bodies had been destroyed and their essences were just floating around. Like this could all be a confusion from that original experience and, of having the Titans essences shoved in them, not understanding what was going on. Well, and the Titans yeah. can't tell them, no, 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 this is fine. Because Th- that's this the, is how it's supposed to go. Cause that's the other thing that I think might've happened. And we know that, that there was some discombobulation, but we don't know what they saw when the souls, when the, the souls of the Titans crashed into their creations. Yeah. Well, it, we it, know that Raden was very disturbed by it, but he saw something. Yeah, and he pulled it out. Like he took the essence out of himself as soon as he could. Yeah, because it was making him crazy. And think about the fact that we don't know. We know that Alun got to Alun, not Alun. Sorry, uh, we know that Eonar got to Alundress. Mm-hmm. We don't know how she got there. You know, we know that the other Titans eventually were captured by Sargeras. We have no idea how. We know that it had something to do with the Avatar of, of Sargeras, who arrived in Northrend and was imprisoned in a Titan facility. Hmm. But the Titan facility he was imprisoned in was, you know, there's there's uh, some stuff that I honestly feel like uh, she was already affected by Sargeras inside her uh, when she decided to imprison the, the Avatar in that well, place. Going back to what I was saying about the uh, just uh, basically in Taurus and, and everything that happened there, I think there's a certain level of mechanism in place that does a, a refiltering of the soul back into life. And I think there might be an, a little bit yeah. of an essence of that there. And Azeroth is forever, forever altered because of it. But also, I think that what Sargeras did with the Avatar and then his, his uh, I cannot remember her name. My God, she's, the you know, Aegwyn. When he put his essence in Aegwyn, I think he did it through the mechanisms of of that facility yeah of of the facilities in general because think about it he was up in northrend we know that Wormrest temple is a is a titan facility that's part of the entire network which for those we of you that, that have asked this question by the way of how they could have the uh portals that went to fertile fertile grounds for the dragons that's why yeah but also think about they then have old old up top is the control center and all the other facilities are connected through the the web of them that they've constructed around the the wound that was created by Amanthul plucking out Yashraj. Uh, Yashraj. All of these facilities were one big facility. Raden goes south to make sure that the facilities in the south are created and linked up. All of it is one thing. And I think Sargeras used it to put himself in Aegwyn, essentially doing the exact same thing with himself that he, that we see has happened to Argus. Mm-hmm. And I think with the second he did it, that's why he then had Aegwyn put the body inside of all places. He had her put the body in the place with the dimensional opening area, the portals to other worlds. Yeah. Cause don't why? forget that. What do we do after we fight the, the avatar of Sargeras's reanimated body? We open a portal immediately. And we go through said portal. Yeah. And why do we just leave the Tidestone there when we know that it, that she wants it? We know Ashara wants the Tidestone and we just leave it? In fact, we left all of them. We did. We left every single one of them there. The fact that she didn't pick up the rest of them is kind of short-sighted on her part. Or, um, I, or is it? Or, or does she have them? Yes. That, that is another thing to think about, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. That, but going back to this. I, I do think that tear holds an important part of all this process because I do think we have been, there's been a lot of talk about this, the Titans having sinister motives, but the fact is the Titans might well, they, they might well have been like, if they had been contacted, if they had been able to talk to them, they would have been like, no, 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 no. Odin, calm down. You're, you're upset. You're not understanding. This is all part of the plan. Just, just, just keep, you know, the Titans may very well have understood, you know, Void is necessary because, you know, only Sargeras seems to have had that bug up his bonnet. 
The rest of them were not obsessed or, with the void like he was. Or it could have been a, a case of uh, you understand it on paper versus the shock of seeing it in the, in, mm-hmm. the, in reality, right? Yeah, and the fact is that whilst they know there's a plan for everything, they're so oh. orderly that when constructed with the, when confronted with the void... Or maybe yeah, it's ahead. not that. Maybe it's not that. We talk about the evolution of everything. Maybe they were starting to evolve. Maybe yeah. they're Because Sargeras has feelings. He has big feelings he has feelings of betrayal and and shock and and dismay he has lost and he wants his family back that you would not expect a titan who has ordered the universe who is adhering to a plan to have that's not told in the stories but maybe just maybe they started to evolve like everything else go for i did i i hit the nugget didn't i yeah yeah (laughs) because that would be it's not just him it's all of them that's why agrimar who had absolutely no reason to do anything. Andre Nor stopped and intervened. And does it. He's like, oh, that's not cool. They're all gonna die. We all, we talked we talked about it being, you know, their programming, but their programming, as we're told, was to nurture other world souls and order the universe. That's he should have just let Draenor go. He, he, that would have been the order of the universe. Let it go. Yeah. Let it just happen. Like a nature documentary, you know. Well, it's it's a it's a shame, but it's the way of things. But he doesn't. What other what other creations have we just interacted with that started to show those same signs of of, uh, for lack of a better term, humanity? I mean, very Zoval himself. I was just gonna say Zoval, the Pantheon of Death. Yeah. All of them. All they're, of these. Cre- yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That is a really interesting point. As the process engages, as the universe heads towards what the first ones had designed, why we've we always said this, why did the the Waygates respond to us and nobody else? Why didn't they didn't work for anybody else but the one person who was carrying a heart of Azeroth around? Even if you weren't wearing it. The person who was Canonic- chosen by Canonically Azeroth. at this point in the story, when you are in the Maw, you have the heart of Azeroth. Yeah. And that means the Waygate recognizes you as part of this whole process. Mm-hmm. That's why it works for you because you're you're essentially carrying around a key card saying, "Yeah, I'm allowed and, here." And why <clears throat> it didn't work for Zoval or anybody else, even when he, he even when he took uh, all of the captives, when he took mm-hmm. Thrall and Bane and Jaina and and Anduin, it didn't work for him. The Waygates weren't working for him. He had to use the Valkyries as 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 uh, Valkyr, the dark Valkyr, uh, mm-hmm. as ways of getting around because they canonically were not adventurers with the heart of Azeroth. Yeah. And even more interesting, he couldn't get to Zareth Mortis without getting back, uh, the mantle. Mm-hmm. He needed the mantle because the mantle is essentially the access code. He needed the sigils because the sigils are the, the password. He needed his key card and then he needed his freaking ID. He needed to basically be able to put his thumb on the thing and have it go. Oh, you're the arbiter. Okay, sure. You can go to Zareth Mortis, but we had the heart of Azeroth is forever within us. We've, we've been contacted by it. We've been touched by it. We are also part of all this. We are part of the natural order. We are part of what the first ones planned. Yeah. And what they planned was their own obsolescence. They planned a cosmos where they didn't need to exist anymore. A cosmos where order and chaos and all these other forces interplayed within beings there wasn't a cosmos in which all of the forces of that said cosmos were banded together in a single entity or entities that were able to fight against the great devourer that was coming to consume all of reality Mm -hmm. because divided they would fall one by one they would not have everything they needed in order to survive however if you could get everything to work together if you could get everything to interplay in the perfect balance it would be the diamond warrior versus yeah by the uh, by Kingdom. their powers combined they are captain azeroth yeah yeah so this may not be where you expected us to go today folks and uh titan- <laughs> I wasn't i don't think we started in this direction <laughs> on purpose and titan fuzz uh thank you very much cuz uh you uh you you led us on that that winding path of hysteria uh but I'm glad we were there to do it because I'm my head's starting to spin with a bunch of different theories. Uh, and it's always a good thing. That's a good sign. <laughs> but I think that's going to do it for us today, folks. Unless, Matt, there's any last minute things you want to add. Oh, there's a lot more. But I mean, you know, we don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, folks, I do want to thank you very much. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to our podcast and better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads-free site experience. Again, if you have questions for our podcasts, any of them, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. You can also send those in on Discord. For our Patreon supporters, please drop those questions into Patreon queue and podcast questions. Questions. Uh, that is where we pulled both of Titan Fuzz's questions from, uh, as well as many others that I promise we will get to. But I know you guys like it when we go off the rails. Uh, if you can't support us on Patreon and you don't want to send us an email, you can throw those questions into the Q and Podcast Questions channel on Discord. And in every single one of those cases, please specify which show it is for. With that, folks. We thank you very much for uh, continuing to join us on these tinfoil fueled journeys, and we'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.